Please join me in the prayer for illumination. Holy Spirit, pour out upon us wisdom and understanding that being taught by you in Holy Scripture, our hearts and minds may be open to receive all that leads to life and holiness. Through Jesus Christ our Lord, amen. A reading from the prophet Jeremiah, the first chapter. Now the word of the Lord came to me saying, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I consecrated you. I appointed you a prophet to the nations. Then I said, Ah, Lord God, truly, I do not know how to speak, for I am only a boy. But the Lord said to me, Do not say, I am only a boy, for you shall go to all to whom I send you, and you shall speak whatever I command you. Do not be afraid of them, for I am with you to deliver you, says the Lord. Then the Lord put out his hand and touched my mouth, and the Lord said to me, now I have put my words in your mouth. See, today I appoint you over nations and over kingdoms to pluck up and to pull down, to destroy and to overthrow, to build and to plant. Here ends the reading.
reading from the book of Hebrews, the 12th chapter, beginning at verse 18. You have not come to something that can be touched, a blazing fire and darkness and gloom and a tempest and the sound of a trumpet and a voice whose words made the hearers beg that not another word be spoken to them. For they could not endure the order that was given, if even an animal touches the mountain, it shall be stoned to death. Indeed, so terrifying was the sight that Moses said, I tremble with fear. But you have come to Mount Zion, and to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to innumerable angels in festal gathering, and to the assembly of the firstborn who are enrolled in heaven, and to God, the judge of all, and to the spirits of the righteous made perfect, and to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, and to the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. Here ends the reading. From Luke chapter 13, verses 10 through 17. Listen with me for the word of God. Now Jesus was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath. And just then there appeared a woman with a spirit that had crippled her for 18 years. She was bent over and was quite unable to stand up straight. When Jesus saw her, he called her over and said, Woman, you are set free from your ailment. 
When he laid his hands on her, immediately she stood up straight and began praising God. But the leader of the because Jesus had cured all kept saying to the crowd, there are six days on which work ought to be done. Come on those days and be cured, and not on the Sabbath day. But the Lord answered him and said, you hypocrites, does not each of you on the Sabbath day untie his ox or his donkey from the manger and lead it away to give it water? And ought not this woman, him, whom Satan bound for 18 long years, be set bondage on the Sabbath day? When he said this, all his opponents were put to shame, and the entire crowd was rejoicing at all the wonderful things that he was doing. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. O Lord, thy word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, we pray. Amen. Squeaky toys should be sold in boxes. That is a new rule that I have made up. It hasn't been followed yet, but I really do believe that squeaky toys should be sold in boxes. Dog toys, baby toys, babies playing with dog toys. If you were in the store with me the other day, I, th I think you would agree. My wife, Mary Allen, and I were making our way up and down the aisles, and from wherever we were, you could hear squeaky, squeaky, squeaky. I tried to ignore it like it wasn't bothering me, but it was bothering me. And after a while, I, I just had to look and I see this child seated in a buggy squeaking on this toy. And this doting grandmother was leaning over saying, don't do that. Don't do that. Well, guess how effective those words were. He kept squeaking the toy over and over again. Now, I don't begrudge, I don't begrudge the grandmother and certainly not coming down hard on the little baby. I just think that all squeaky toys should be sold in boxes. That should be a rule. Isn't that how all rules are created? Behavior is observed, and we figure out if it's adverse, harmful, violent, how someone else's behavior impacts somebody else's life. And after this observation is made, rules are created. Rules are created, amended, sometimes abolished, recreated. For as long as there has been civilization, people living in community with one another, there have always been rules. And as long as there have been rules, there have been rule followers, rule benders, rule breakers. And that was certainly the case for God's people in the Old Testament. The Jews, they were given ten commandments, not suggestions, not guidelines, ten commandments about how they should live so that they could flourish under God's glory. And along the way, 
religious leaders came up with over 600 more rules to help them faithfully follow those first 10 commandments. Being faithful unto God, it necessarily meant following the rules. Well, this was in many ways the context for what happened in the synagogue on that Sabbath day long ago. Jesus was teaching in the synagogue, and a woman came. Obviously, she had been suffering for quite some time, 18 long years. Two times her ailment is described. First, that a spirit had overcome her. The second time, that Satan had bound her. Now, these are not medical terms. And of course, medicine back a couple thousand years ago, totally different than our understanding of such ailments today. I wonder if this same woman were to come and visit her general practice doctor today, perhaps she would be diagnosed with arthritis, maybe a slip disc. But for 18 years, she had suffered. I can, I can try to imagine what it was like for the other disciples who were listening and watching. Hey, get a load of this. This woman, you know, when we came in, she was hunched over. And then the other guy says, yeah, from what I've heard, it's been like that for her for 18 years. Yeah, but did you see what happened? Jesus, he laid hands on her. Now look at her. She's standing up straight, praising God. And just as the disciples are caught up in the excitement of what Jesus did for this woman, along comes the guy in charge. He's not too pleased. As the Bible tells us, he is indignant because Jesus was working on the Sabbath day. This religious leader was a rule follower to the extreme, and he was none too pleased. Six days you have here to do work. You should come on one of those days if you want someone to do something for you. Jesus is very quick, though, to call out the hypocrisy of this man saying, hey, look, you are willing to untie your own animal on the Sabbath day to make sure this animal gets to where it needs to be, that it can have its water. I wonder, I wonder how is it that we become so legalistic sometimes when it comes to rules? How come? What is it that turns us into finger-wagging Pharisees. Maybe it has something to do with us doing our level best. We try to be consistent with our actions, following the rules to the best of our ability. And then we notice this person over here. We notice this person over here, corners, sitting by. And then we notice this person over here, not trying nearly as hard as we do, finding ways to get out of responsibilities. And both of these people seem to achieve more, quicker. Here we are following the rules. And we observe 
and we feel like we're the victims. I think that's what creeps into some people's mindsets when they want to observe somebody else not measuring up. For Jesus in the synagogue with that woman who had been suffering and all the people around, the rules of the day for being a faithful person unto the Lord were bound up in the civic laws of the day and draped over the top of it were rules of the Roman Empire. Now for us living in the United States of America, being a faithful person unto God is not bound by the laws of the county, the state, or our country. We have separation of such things. Nonetheless, I think you'll agree with me, we need good laws for the sake of everybody to flourish. We need good laws that are created, enforced, judicated. And we want them to be done well by honorable, honest people who are properly educated, vetted, who take their oath seriously. We need good laws for the land. But what is it that causes us sometimes to be legalistic? That is to say, when we observe somebody else and we're quick to call them out, despite our own hypocrisy. We have these very formal laws, but we also have informal, invisible mores, customs that we develop along the way. Sometimes they're explicitly taught, sometimes we just sort of pick them up. For example, think about table manners in your home. Table manners, perhaps your grandmother taught you, perhaps your mother, or maybe you just sort of pick things up along the way. And now the table manners in your home, they might be a little bit different than the table manners in somebody else's. And so when you go to visit, you start to pick up on the differences, right? Author Craig Brown in this book, Hello, Goodbye, Hello, he writes about none other than Princess Margaret Queen Elizabeth II's sister. And I want to share with you a little bit in his reflections on an aspect of Princess Margaret's life. He says, members of the royal family are granted a special license as entertainers. Their efforts at sparkling, however dim, are greeted with enthusiasm. Their repartee, however pedestrian, sets tables aroar. Their musical forays, however painful, are hailed as delightful. As a house guest, Princess Margaret is always allowed exceptional leeway. Hosts bend over backwards to satisfy her every whim. One hostess has the guest room rewired so that the princess can employ her Carmen rollers. Another swims out to her in a pool, fully clothed, bearing the glass of a gin and tonic she has ordered. So we have the rules, but we let some people skate by. We have the rules, but we let some people bend them. We have the rules, some people outright break them. So what about Jesus in the synagogue that day? 
Was he a rule follower, a rule bender, a rule breaker? What about us? How are we called to live in this world? I think, I think there's this extreme of legalism. And then there's this other extreme that we could call Thunderdome. Anything goes. Chaos. But the good news of the gospel is that Jesus' love fulfills the law. Jesus, through his life, his death, his resurrection, he fulfilled all of the little rules, all of the laws, but he ultimately satisfied the law with a capital L. And it's his righteousness that he gives to us that grants us the ability to live a life fully in this world, free of the need to judge others. You and I don't need to go through life feeling compelled to make judgment calls on whether somebody else is doing a good job or not if they're following the rules. We don't need to be the referee for how somebody else is living their life. We can experience true freedom in this world, trusting in God's grace for ourselves and for others. I think part of the challenge is asking the question, how does this one unique experience in the synagogue for Jesus for this woman, how does this have a life application for us in this day and age? It's not satisfying to just say, all the rules are gone, everything goes. That's, that's not at the heart of this story. What is? Jesus relieving suffering. Jesus relieving suffering. And that's, I believe, where you and I ought to have our hearts and minds guided this day. There is tremendous suffering in this world. People who are beleaguered by spirits. People who are in their physical body not able to live fully like they want. Perhaps it's a diagnosis, an injury. Perhaps they're facing some sort of treatment or therapy. But it may not be in their physical body. It could be deep within their soul. Suffering because of intrusive thoughts that they can't shake. Causing them to be anxious, worried, consumed about situations over which they have no control. And along the way, people suffer. I think about all of the changes that people have experienced over the past several years especially. And in many ways, they represent little bits of trauma. And they have a cumulative effect. All of these invisible ways that life has changed, causing us to experience heartache, suffering, 
Jesus, with the eyes of God's compassion, looked upon this woman in the synagogue, and even though there were some very real rules in place, Jesus pushed those aside out of compassion for this woman who was suffering. You and I ought to look with God's compassion upon the suffering of this world. And, and even if there are some impediments to us offering a word of relief, a gesture of kindness, you and I should be willing to push those aside for the sake of relieving suffering. Because the good news of God's love for you is also for the person who is suffering, who is facing an ailment, who is looking for relief and hoping that there's somebody out there. A person who is suffering, I've learned, they don't want to sound like a squeaky toy. They don't want to annoy. They don't want to frustrate. And they're looking to you and me. May we be the hands and feet of Christ in this world, offering God's compassionate love to relieve suffering. Let us pray. God, help us to notice. Help us to reach out. Grant us strong hands, swift feet, and the readiness to push aside whatever boundaries that might keep us from offering your love to this hurting world. All this we pray in the name of our Lord Jesus, who makes all things new. Amen. Now, let us stand as we affirm our faith with the historic words of the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. The third day he rose from the dead, he ascended into heaven and sitteth at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Please be seated.